Hello, everyone. This is Pam Montgomery of the Organization of Nature Evolutionaries, and I am a Vision Council member, and I'm so happy that you are joining us tonight for a lovely woman named Claire Vanderplank from Australia. And Claire is based in Fremantle, Western Australia, also known as Noongar Bujar. Did I say that right, I hope? Anyway, <laughs> you'll correct me, I'm sure. Um, her work centers around deepening connection with inner and outer and true nature and how we can integrate the worldview of interbeing into our collective systems and communities as an imperative for this transitional period in human history. She's a facilitator, a shamanic practitioner, and guides people in nature-based spiritual cultivation practices through the way of nature lineage, including multi-day wilderness quests. And you can learn more about Claire and her work by visiting her website, which is www.womc.com.au. So that's her um, her website. And Claire, I'm so excited that you're with us tonight and that you're going to share with us this living and leading from interbeing. I'm so excited to hear you talk about interbeing. Claire was supposed to be here right now in the U.S. Uh, she had planned this lovely trip here for this summer, and she was going to be here with me at Sweetwater Sanctuary for a while. But guess what? She's still in Australia, just like I'm still here down on the farm, <laughs> not going anywhere. So anyway, it's so lovely to have you, Claire. Thanks, thanks for joining us, and thanks for being willing to, to be on this, um, on this teleseminar with us. And I just want you all to know that we will have a time period towards the end where you can ask Claire questions. So we'll, we'll leave time for that. Um, and I, I just want you to, to know, too, with these teleseminars that we do is we really bring together the leading nature evolutionaries across the globe, and Claire is one of those. So thanks, Claire, for being here. Tell us, mm. tell us about your work. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I do want to yeah set a bit of context first because it's quite a broad-ranging um, topic. So just to help people orientate themselves. So my story, I guess, um, which sort of helps explain my work, was I mean I'd always been a very passionate and committed sustainability person, <clears throat> but um, my life was changed dramatically. Um, in in 2012, I was hit by a truck, um, and long story short, and, and a literal truck, um, yeah, long story short, I was sort of left physically damaged just enough um, that I was feeling pretty crap afterwards in the months after that. Um, and then I was given a beautiful gift by the universe where I was riding my bike to work um, one day, sort of early winter morning, like mist and there was a rainbow um, and there was dolphins jumping out of the water. So a really, you know, beautiful, like, wow, you know, mysteries of life kind of moment. And in that moment I realised, oh, my God, like my head is thinking I know this is beautiful but I wasn't feeling anything. And that's when I realised that I was really disconnected. And it wasn't, um, that sort of wasn't like a way that I'd normally be thinking. Like 
I didn't really have that much of a subtle or refined like relationship with my own inner nature I'd say um and it was striking to me in part because I was I was reading a book about how you know Buddhist philosophy and quantum physics sort of say the same thing and we're all interconnected and my mind was like yes 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 I get it we're all interconnected good tick yep um and in that moment it sort of taught me that wow it's like the contrast between my mind being able to think that it knows it and yet my felt experience was something completely different. Um, so that I believe sort of set up the the invitation for the universe to come in and, and show me what I needed and that's how I ended up um, doing my first sacred passage with Way of Nature. So sacred passage is basically like a week-long version of um, the quest which is sort of more typically four days of solitude time um so I spend a, a week alone after some um, preparation time with the teacher um and in in that experience um you basically like a vision quest you stay in one spot and you're fasting and we do some particular kinds of um, meditation practices and qigong um but definitely when I turned up I wasn't expecting to be um, going and running these programs in the future like basically all I was thinking was oh my god like a week where I can just sit in the bush and no one is going to bother me hell yes um, but I really could not have had any idea what was going to um, occur during that time and afterwards so it definitely um, changed my life I mean and how it relates to this talk. So it really gave me a, a very deep visceral sense of um, interbeing. Like by the end of it, I was I was in this spot, like down a little gully where there's a creek and lots of ferns down by the creek. And I was looking across and I just had, you know, very, um, wasn't like a lightning bolt. It was just a very gentle, subtle realisation that, I actually have no idea where my consciousness is. It, it could be in that fern over there that I'm looking at. Um, and only later when I sort of learned more of the frameworks around it, I realised what a deep union experience that was. Um, and also a lot of things happened during that time that would have seemed unbelievable if someone else told me, you know, the story of hearing music or having energy passed to me from a little bird that helped open my heart or you know, all these sorts of things happen in that first experience that I really couldn't have thought was possible. But once you're immersed in the experience of it, um, it actually feels quite natural because all these things are arising out of our um, deep relationship. So, yeah, powerful experience. And that changed everything um, for me, both the course of my life. Um, it's much like, you know, the purpose of a traditional vision quest is to help discover what your purpose and role is um, it certainly very um, dramatically realigned the course that I was taking after that um, and also just more in general um, fundamentally changed the way that I saw the world and having now spent a lot of time reflecting on that and then subsequent experiences um, that's helped me understand what this <laughs> interbeing thing is all about and why it's important um, yeah, so I ended up in 2014 doing um, the guide training with Way of Nature and have been running um, quests and other programs in that lineage since then. Um, and also just change from being very um, 
yeah, head-based, I'll describe it, um, sustainability professional. Like I was working in a power company um, and I've, I've never gone back to a full-time job since then in terms of working for somebody else um, and sort of got more interested in the healing arts and eventually did shamanic practitioner training, even did a plant spirit healing course with Pam. Um, yeah, so it's, it's sort of like I've had this history of um, while still being very committed to trying to move towards a sustainable society, I sort of got the look in the so-called normal world of it for a while. And then um, since 2012, I've had a very different kind of view of things. Um, so that's, yeah, that's where I'm, I'm coming from, basically. So, Claire, let me ask you. So the way of nature lineage, you refer to it as a lineage. Could you say a little bit more about that? What, what, what lineage? Yeah. Well, so my teacher is also the founder of Way of Nature, John P. Milton. Um, so he he had a very interesting history. So he was um, a very well um, established um, ecologist and was the first one of the first ecologists to work in the White House and was really one of the grandfathers of the environmental movement. But concurrently to all that, had a very deep and profound spiritual life. He had done his first vision quest when he was seven years old um, and was blessed to have many profound teachers from many, many different lineages um, appear in his life over the decades. And he really made it his mission to try to find the essence of the wisdom um, that all these different teachers were talking about. And for him, it was all about bringing it back to nature. So way of nature is sort of founded from his wisdom of distilling these different principles of spiritual cultivation into um, what we call the 12 guiding principles. And so then we go and have um, practices that match those principles, which help us um, implement them in the context of nature. Because for, for him in his environmental work, he really reached the point that um, he could see that the environmental movement just wasn't going to work and that if it, if we didn't start the change from very deep within ourselves and in our consciousness, then we weren't going to be successful. Um, so no doubt my work is very heavily influenced by his wisdom in lots of different ways, not just the um, quest and sacred passage process. Okay, good. Thank you. I was, yeah, when I saw lineage, I was like, hmm, who, 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 who is this lineage? Anyway, okay, great. Thank yeah. you for that. You can't really call it an organization. Um, sort of, this, I guess it's more like a, a spiritual fellowship, I think, is the exact okay. kind of mm -hmm. yeah, word. Yeah. Okay. So mm. tell, tell me more. How are you bringing this, how are you bringing this work to the world, out into the world? Um, well, so I run the quests um, regularly now, um, and and I guess I sort of I use the way of nature work as really the backbone that informs anything else that I do. So even though you know you can't sort of be running quests on a full time basis, I still very much think of it as um, the basis, the the absolute heart of my work and especially because the quest work through my own personal practice and through, you know, being given the privilege of, of watching others go through it um, has taught me a lot about just 
humaning, <laughs> basically. Um, you know, being able to witness what it does for our, you know, capacities to um, relate with others, to the healing um, aspect of it all, um, and just our, yeah, our approach to life in general, that the difference to having a purpose that's come from something greater than ourselves is absolutely um, life-changing. Um, well, I might um, just give a bit more context on, because I think it's important that we also orientate into why this is particularly important and an imperative at this point in time in humanity's history. Um, and then I'll sort of come back to, to what I'm doing with it now. Um, and I, and this is this can be a confronting sort of topic to to really think about because to get the the real grasp of um, where we're at <clears throat> as a civilized as a global civilization, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it's not only you know very difficult mentally because it's it's very complex. Like we need a certain level of sort of operational complexity just cognitively but also it's very challenging emotionally and, and spiritually as well so <clears throat> that's definitely um something that that they take into account in, in doing the work but also to know for people um listening as well that we can find it challenging um and to watch ourselves and what's what's coming up as as we contemplate perhaps where we are. Um, so I've been sort of thinking about collapse basically for a long time, um, but not necessarily in the way that a lot of people think about it. So, you know, people would think, oh, you collapse, are you one of the preppers? Um, but not really. I mean, I, I've felt for a very long time that, um, you know, the way that we're, we're doing civilization wasn't going to continue. Um, and the more I've looked into it, I realized that, you know, basically there's been form. That's is life, you know, life operates in a cycle. So I don't sort of get over dramatic about it. It's just realizing that we're at this point where a completely new, like an evolutionary leap is now required. So you could think of humans basically as, as an emergent property of the earth. So we're using language from complexity science now. Um, and I use that language not to sound, you know, super intelligent or anything, but just because it's the most precise and concise way that I know of to be accurate about um, describing where we are. So <laughs> we're basically we're our global system is unsustainable. But what that really means is that it's self-terminating. So as an emergent layer of the earth, the issue is that we're destroying and consuming the base, the substrate that we are arising out of. That's the basic definition of a system that is going to collapse on itself. Um, so we're doing things like taking things that are complex, i.e. nature, and turning it into things that are complicated. So we're it's basic that's a process of de-evolution. Like we're working against the law of life, which is always to um, create more life. Um, so things like practice that's like, you know, we have a forest and it heals and it grows that is a complex system there's emergence there's self-organization there's self-healing um, however once we cut down the forest and turn it into timber it loses that um, life-giving property um, 
So it's like we've come out of coherence with natural law. And it's not necessarily like a bad thing. I mean, obviously it's destructive, but not bad as is all us naughty humans. You know, really it's almost like natural. Like the, the a metaphor that I found really helpful in terms of thinking about it is um, like an embryonic phase. Like we're sort of, <laughs> we're waiting to be born into this completely new different and different way of being. So, you know, the baby is is taking from the mother basically. But, of course, we don't say, oh, bad baby, <laughs> like that's natural, um, kind of like a caterpillar before it goes into the cocoon, it might eat its environment. Um, but then once it goes into the cocoon, turns into the goo, which who would know that that's going to come out as a butterfly, um, it then comes out and that's when it, you know, does things like pollinate and, and gives back to its environment around it. So that's where I kind of think we're at is that we're at this very – um unique stage of of maturation um and it's also very unique because of the fragilities that were built into these systems and partly it's fragile because everything's so interconnected and we have a global society it's a completely um unique time because even though civilizations actually have never proven to be successful like <laughs> the precedent is that they collapse um and they also bring down the ecosystems around them. The difference now is that it's global. So we've never had the situation where civilizational collapse could mean um, completely bringing down the whole biosphere with it. Um, so yeah, we've got a lot of reason to uh, have an imperative to like really get on top of what's going on here and what we can do about it. Um, but I also think that then there's also, um, because it is different, we don't have to repeat history. So that's the context. <laughs> Didn't want to get to, you know, apologies for getting too heavy about it, but um, it's it's important to to really grasp that because of um, what I'm going to talk about now. Um, <clears throat> so one of the key drivers I would, well, one of the ways that I find most helpful to think about, you know, why we've got to where it is, is that that perception of separation of not um, being a, inherent part of everything else is one of the reasons that we've um, managed to get to where we are um, because when we when we believe that we're separate we then see the universe as a bunch of other separate actors who well no one else ultimately is going to look after you so you need to um, you know be motivated by maximizing your own self-interest um, and that's how we've we've come to such a destructive society as well. Like the system itself, it's not just a problem with the individuals. It's a, the fact that we've built our systems out of that worldview. So the, I mean, the economic system is like case in point. It's it literally is built on the premise that we're all like rampant self-maximizers. Um, and but competition is good, so we're gonna um, you know promote that. Um, and then it takes the system itself is, is what's driving this, this taking of um, the complex things, and that's things that nature would do for us, that's things that we would do for each other, um, and pumping them through the economic system so that they can be spit out as bits of 
uh, money. <laughs> so that's the that's the mechanism by which we're basically driving the destruction, and all all that is based on the the perception that we're separate. <clears throat> so, what on earth are we going to do about it? <laughs> um, yeah. So that's basically the setup. Um, so the talk that I named living and, and leading from into being. So my assertion is that like we, many of us now have had like individual waking up experiences. Um, not all of us, of course, but you know, there's a fair chunk of us. Um, like we've, we've come to the end of this separation game and it doesn't just mean, oh, well, we've done enough destruction. We've come to it, to the end of it as well, because we just don't really believe in it anymore. And now I think it's the time to put a call out to people who feel that and say, okay, we've had these individual waking up experiences, but now we really need to put our attention on, and yes, you know, keep the individual cultivation, but really put our intention and awareness on, well, how do we integrate that understanding of interbeing into our collective life? So how do we build our communities? How do we design our systems? How do we do leadership? Um, because that that lack of the coming out of coherence um, really means that we've come out of being nature. Um, and in one way of thinking of what into being and bringing it into the collective could mean is that we need to model ourselves on nature itself. And that would return us to a sustainable system um, because life is always increasing life. Um, where to start, though? I mean, it does still need to start start personally. I'm not sort of trying to promote, like, quick, let's run around and um, sort of jump into trying to get involved in systems change work because definitely one of the um, motivations for me doing this work is, like, I've, I've been around leadership or been interested in it, I guess, for a while, you know, even in my previous normal world life I was um, a facilitator and and still very interested in like innovation and systems change processes um, but one thing that I've noticed is like well what's really bothered me I guess is seeing how you know there's, there's people running around talking about leadership and systems change work yet they don't really <clears throat> and, and doing it in the context of okay we need to lead from love and spirit um, you know, and that's sort of like the leading edge of this kind of world. And yet they don't necessarily embody it um, in themselves in, in everyday life. I mean, if we're saying, okay, we need to change the system to be based on love, well, that's good, but how are we embodying that in our own personal relationships? Can we deal with conflict? Are we owning our own shit? You know, I'm <laughs> sorry, I probably might not be able to say that. Um, but are we really paying attention to the healing that's um, required within ourselves. Like we've separated the work life and, and personal life for so long that it's not often recognised really just, you know, what the role of things like helping release the trauma for our bodies, um, what that makes, you know, how that makes a difference in our systems and it's it's massive. Um, yeah, um, so where to start? Start with the personal. Um, 
because we did like on that embodiment thing we really need to have like nailed it ourselves doesn't mean we need to be perfect um but part of that embodiment as well is like how, in terms of interbeing i really encourage obviously through the work that i do um cultivation in nature because we really need to bring in those complex patterns of nature into our own being so that when we go and, and put ourselves into situations of um, leadership or working group systems work that we're inherently bringing through um, the, the life-giving properties of nature into what we do and it also helps us be intuitive to what's going on in in complex systems as well um, can so Claire, you, can, can, could you give us an example of that, of, of how to bring, you said, complex aspects of nature? Mm -hmm. Can you just give an example so that folks kind of get an idea about what, what can be done? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's sort of, I sort of came to that through just noticing in myself, like, when I go out and, um, you know, be in solitude, be on a quest, um, so we do a lot of like um, we focus on meditation and practice through the senses, so using the senses as the doorway to connection. So we end up doing a lot of like open eye um, meditation and I've thought about this a lot. Like I spent so much time just observing, say, the, you know, if you're standing above a river and you can see you know, there might be some waves, but then you can also notice the patterns that the wind makes as it dances across it, and then there might be some sort of deep current um, underneath that. It's very hard to put words to because, I mean, I'm trying to, it's very much a felt sense for me, but my, my feeling is that um, for myself personally, I've become much more adept at sensing like the, the, the essence or the truth of what's going on in the different contexts that I'm in because I've spent a lot of time just absorbing um, these patterns into my body. And I don't, that's probably one of the most abstract things I'm going to say this, this whole time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's a, that's a tough one to explain. Um, but embodiment also means things like, you know, well, if I want to have a future where, you know, we want um, we want people to be acting out of love. Well, how am I going to act out of love in my day-to-day -day life? Like whatever future we want to see, we need to be putting it into our daily choices. Like we inhabit the future through our bodies and through um, the everyday choices that we make. Um, so it's a real important thing that we look at, you know, even when we talk about how do we put the patterns of nature into our systems. And, and when I say that, it's sort of like um, one word for it would be like systemic biomimicry. So basically modelling our systems on nature. So, you know, practically that could be like, the economic system, for example, really needs to be sort of modelled on nature. And so nature produces for the region within the region. Um, so we need, we could learn from that in terms of like um, localising our money systems, 
um, circular economy, so it's not producing waste. Um, but then on the personal level and how do I embody that and practice it in a daily basis, you know, I try to think about, well, how can I incorporate gifting um, more in my work? So, you know, like the gift economy is sort of how nature operates, really. It's, it's the natural economy. Um, there's no sort of IOUs just because things are co-evolving. There's a natural flow of what everyone needs to each other. Um, and so how do I embody that on a daily basis? It's like, okay, how can I, you know, start to shift some of my work to offer it by um, gifting or focusing on how I could be part of more of a local supply chain um, instead of trying to, you know, source things from international places. Um, so that's, that's the sort of stuff that I'm talking about as well. Okay, so, you know, I mean, that's a big one. That's a, what you just brought up is a big one. And so shifting from this, you know, I mean, in many of the Western countries anyway, this, you know, very consumerism, you know, economy and, you know, and the whole idea that, you know, in this infinite growth thing that is like, oh my gosh, that is, to me, that's really ridiculous. This idea that there's, we just it, grow, grow, grow. That's you know the the um, mm -hmm. capitalist way. And so mm -hmm. um, you know, so so like, but making the shift from that from mm -hmm. what we got, mm -hmm. which is like obviously not working, to what you're talking about, the how would that work? I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know these yeah. are this is a, these are big things and they're big questions and yeah. they're, they're big system changes and all of that. It's it's kind of like you know you can't you gotta to me I feel like sometimes you you, you gotta like start all over. You know you gotta start yeah. from the ground up. You you know you can't take what we've got and think that you're gonna um, build yeah. from there because there's nothing to build upon. So anyway, yeah. I'm just I'm just yeah. curious. How do we yeah. do these big change? These are big changes you're talking about. They and are, I'm just like, are. and I know it starts individually with each one of us and making a choice to do that. Yeah. But but anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Do you have anything to say about yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, I, I I do. I mean, you know, that's part of the reason why I'm trying to be more conscious of, of you know, stepping out and doing this work now is because <laughs> crisis is a breakdown of form, and so we have an opportunity for reformation. Like. I know there's a lot of scary, challenging things which does can drive, you know, fear-based behaviour, but there's also opportunity here that we really need to galvanise ourselves around and, and choosing, okay, now's the time we're going to do what we must. And in terms of, like, how we can make these big shifts, well, we need to be strategic because, you know, the risk here is, like, you know, the people who want to use these times to get more power for themselves, they are doing that right now. You know, any time where there's existential risk, those power-hungry people and systems gain from it. And yet people who are more like, oh, I love everybody and I trust in life, and we tend to not be so strategic. <laughs> but we, we probably need to think about that. So what we can do now is be thinking like, and we've seen it, I mean, at least you know, what I've noticed over here with COVID is that there has been a lot more focus on local economies simply because oh, suddenly the fragility of the rest of the system um, has been, you know, highlighted in, in pretty dramatic 
effect. So already we've started to build these networks, these local networks, that means the next time the big shock comes, we're, we're more resilient and prepared for it. Um, but we need to also use this as a learning opportunity to show just how fragile um, the system is. And, you know, the I'm not going to get the quote exactly right, but the Bucky Fuller quote about, you know, you can't try to sort of change or break down the old, but you need to sort of replace it by building the new kind of thing. Um, that's that's very true. You know, we need to build the sort of the networks that while they're not going to be completely at scale now, we need to have those seeds in place so that when the right time comes, they, those um, <laughs> nodes of resilience, the, the local networks can be activated um, so that, so that it's there. Um, and I'm not saying that it's easy. Like, I honestly think that, you know, with that goo phase between caterpillar, <laughs> caterpillar and butterfly, like, we, we, we could be in that for many generations. And which is also, you know, part of what I tried, I try to do with this. And it's one of the gifts of um, the quest work as well is realising just, you know, how big this whole existence is and that that call to purpose is sometimes terrifying because it asks us to you know kind of die to who we know we used to be um and so there's there's a strong aspect of like um surrendered leadership to all this like basically leading from into being is really getting to the point of saying okay like i'm now going to listen to what I'm being called to do from that thing that is greater than myself. And that's one of the one of the just life-changing gifts of, of doing something like a quest. There can be other ways of coming to that same realisation. But when we get that sense of, oh, it's not just, you know, my personality today has decided that this is what I want to do in life, um, but that really we have that calling from something that we feel is, a greater intelligence, something greater than ourselves, then we know we can't ignore it, except that sometimes we try. And that's where, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of like the Jonah complex, the so Jonah and the whale, you know, God says to Jonah, like, okay, Jonah, now you need to go and do this thing. And Jonah said, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm going to run away on this ship <laughs> and ends up, you know, he gets struck down and he ends up in the belly of the whale for three days until he says, okay, all right. I get it, right, I'll have to accept that this is what I must do and the whale spits him out and he has to go and um, do the work. So that quote about, like, we're, we're terrified of our greatness is not really um, complete without the understanding that it's actually we're terrified of what we've been shown that we need to be because we get these glimpses in these peak states and these peak moments of experience and we're terrified that we can't live up to it, that we can't keep it going. But why this is like the depth of the commitment that we need to find and the courage that we need to find right now because that change isn't easy and it's going to last a long time. Um, and I don't want to sound scary saying all that because also the beautiful thing is that it's such this gift like we find refuge in our dharma and we find that when we have gone to do the things that can lead us to sitting in deep felt into being, um, that it also gives us this immense trust in life as well. 
and as you move into into being like you get less caught up in, in the things that you'd be you'd be afraid of for yourself because the self has suddenly expanded to become something more than just your physical body and so things like what's going to happen in my lifetime um and you know not to be too macabre about it but you know fear of our own death like that sort of thing um quietens down a little i guess you could say um so this living and leading from into being theme isn't isn't just a sort of nice raising consciousness um you know i get i really get sick of that saying because <laughs> uh, it's so much more um gritty <laughs> than that and it's so much more you know like we really need to be conscious about um what we're what we're doing in every aspect of our lives and how how we're being strategic about it and and yeah how we're committed to it deeply personally yeah you know i think that what you just said is so important is like we have to make a commitment it's like life or death it's a life or death commitment here and you know we have to like really dedicate ourselves to and you know one of my teachers martin prechtel you know he what, what he has said to us so many times is like we're planting seeds for a time beyond our own yeah. and that what you know what we can vision and what we can you know the paradigm shift and all that you know it might not happen in my life for me anyway Ooh. since i'm getting older now i'm not old I'm, but by the way, I'm just getting older, um, and uh, but it's like you know I might not see the results of it all in my lifetime, and I need to trust and commit and dedicate myself to it anyway, exactly. Re- regardless of what I personally get the benefit from, because I have a grandson, you know, and he's going to have children, and and so I have to Ooh. hold that vision that. This is not necessarily for my benefit, but it's for you know the generations to come, and and okay. and that's the kind of dedication that we have to bring to this, and we have to step out of like being really selfish about this, and yeah. um yeah. and so yeah, it's it's big stuff, and it takes a lot of hard work and so, uh, enormous commitment and dedication. Yeah, absolutely, and. And there's a, like, you know, we, so we look, we, we talk about this thing, you know, into being and in the sort of spiritual circles, there's, there's traps that come along with it as well. And that's, you know, partly the call to action as well is like, yes, raising consciousness is, is the, found, the foundation of it all. Um, but there's such a trap in that of, oh, well, if I just do my, you know, thing if I just meditate a bit longer that I'm helping the world. And like it's kind of missing the point. <laughs> you know, like life, spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, acts on this world. There's changes come through spirit acting through us. And so if we don't, you know, match the the being and the consciousness side of things with the action and and in the physical world, um, then we're not really like that's spiritual bypass, you know. And being integrating those states of awareness into life does mean that, you know, it's not just about 
waking up, but it's also, as this is, you know, what Kelly Wilber says, it's growing up and it's showing up <laughs> and it's cleaning up, which means we also have to be, you know, not just using things like yoga or meditation as a way to avoid, um, you know, our stuff, um, but really use it as a way to come and, and meet it and deal with um, healing and, and especially healing trauma because that's really what, you know, having these old traumas stored in our bodies is really what prevents us from deepening into 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 being and then also acting from it because otherwise, you know, we try to do the work in society and, and people just keep triggering us and, you know, then we sort of get nowhere. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's <laughs> it's not just... <laughs> It's not just a nice concept. Um, <laughs> it really means a, a huge degree of commitment and dedication. Um, and, and incorporating it into our daily walk. It's, it's you know, mm. like you say, it's, you know, I mean, we, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all for like, you know, incorporating the, our, the spiritual acts. I mean, what I, what I like try to do is like, you know, bring spirit into form. And so, but it, but it means walking with that, every day in my daily walk and the decisions that I make in my, in my, in, in, in the actions that I take and all mm. of that have to be informed, are, are informed from, you know, the spirit of nature actually. But, <laughs> but, but there's action involved here. Like what I do is really important. And so mm. I think that's what you're saying as well is yeah. that, you know, we can sit around and, you know, meditate forever, and and that's okay. And it's in. I'm I'm not dissing that. It's okay. And then, from how we're being informed from that place, we need to take action. Absolutely. And make a change. I mean, how yeah. else do we make a change? We have to take action. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 And being gentle with knowing that you know we all that healing is so much a part of that that it is difficult for us to do it um for a whole bunch of reasons so practicing self-compassion at the same time as okay now i'm going to show up and i'm going to take action because otherwise there can also be that you know sort of self-flagellation um kind of, kind of like oh my god things are so bad humans are terrible i need to do something about it when like no it's it's natural that we're we're here, um, but it is our responsibility to to do something about it as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of brings up another whole thing, which is that you know, kind of operating from you know, there's this individual waking up place, and, and then it's like you know, when you kind of look at what's going on out there, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm just one person. What can I do? And you get overwhelmed. You know, you get like totally overwhelmed. Like oh my God, I'll just, I, I just won't do anything because, because what, you know, what the heck can I do to make a change? And so that's why I think venues like this and the work that you're doing, you know, bringing people on quests and all of that, it's like creating community, creating mm-hmm. community so that we don't feel alone in yes. what we're doing, you, you know, yeah. and, and the whole thing of coming together and we can do this, you know, we can do mm-hmm. this. It only takes, what, what's the, you know, um, what's her name, Margaret Mead, whatever. Like, it just takes a handful of people to to really make make a real change and to shift the paradigm. And that's yeah. that's where I'm at right now. Is it's 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 really time to shift this paradigm, and we yeah. can do it. We can do it with with our communities. But 
you know, to, to get overwhelmed by it all is like, you know, just come together and, and realize there's other folks out there too that are wanting to make this change too. So, yeah. Yes, yeah. you know, that's quite. We're all just walking each other home, like, <laughs> or the other one. So I, I follow um, Charles Eisenstein's work quite a lot. You know, he he aligns with this. You know, he talks about moving from the story of separation to the story of interbeing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also read. Say, you know, say his name again for everybody, so they can clearly hear hear his Charles name because he's I- an he's an important guy. <laughs> he is, isn't he wonderful? Charles Eisenstein. Charles um, Eisenstein, you really yeah. must do some reading by him um, or listen to some of his uh, podcasts. He's he's fabulous. Yeah, and he talks he talks about enlightenment is a group activity, which <laughs> yeah I totally see. Like you know the doing the quests and like one of the reasons that I'm now sort of moving to doing more work with organizations and and looking at systems change stuff again is because like we run the quests and then. People have to try to go back to life <laughs> being immersed in systems that are built from separation and so only reinforce the habits of separation. You know, in a traditional rite of passage, yeah, you might go and do this solo initiation thing, but then you come back and your community recognises <clears throat> you as changed and they assist you in how do you integrate what you've learnt and been shown into life, like, you know, classically. Now you're an adult and here is your responsibility and we all just assume that now you're going to do it and you're going to be different. Whereas people come out of modern day quests and that integration piece is really, really hard because we don't have um, the same level of community reinforcement mm-hmm. of it as well, which which is also why, you know, the, the message about needing to bring it into systems, like the personal cultivation and the conscious awareness of how we're designing our systems for want of a better word is because they go hand in hand you know like we need to cultivate ourselves so that we can do the systems work but we also need to change the systems so that um you know then we're reinforced in our individual where we become more established in that place of interbeing through being reinforced by the systems if we deliberately design them in that way yeah so, so tell us about some of the quest work that you're doing. I mean, you know, it's it's a little strange right now because uh, for the obvious reasons. Um, but are, are, do you are, do you lead individual quests or is it more uh, a group things? Like, tell us a little bit about all all of what you're doing. Yeah. So the quests work. So I normally would have a small group um, of people of it, like a public quest would be okay. There's individuals whoever wants to come along comes along um in small group and we go out and and do the thing in nature um but because of where i think we're at and what's needed i'm sort of putting out a new kind of layer to my work basically like the individual quests are still the essence and the basis of it all um but now i'm starting to do things like quests um, and maybe smaller versions of them for organizations um, because you do you know like we're just talking about you do need if you want a group to be operating from that place then it's important that they have some sort of shared experience um, with it and I think you know things like well if a person can get their 
sense of purpose from spirit or nature through doing this, can the being that is an organisation receive their purpose and mission from nature as well? And I think that's where we really need to move to. I think um, that's great. That's great, Claire. I love that. You know, I think every every organization, every every company, every organization could should go on Vision Quest together. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a different place this would be. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, like, it's hard because you can't, like, just say there's a team of five leaders, you know, not all of them are going to be ready. But, you know, then it's finding ways that maybe a few of them do it and maybe, you know, a bunch, a broader range of people then, you know, do a, a weekend program, you know, so people still have some sort of shared experience in it while not also forcing people to do things that <laughs> is probably a step too far for them. Um, so, so explain what a quest, would, for those who don't know, explain what a quest would look like. What, what, what mm. does it entail? So, so the programs that I do are usually will have um, – we will have three nights together as a group of doing like preparation training. Um, so that's where we go through like the way of nature principles and practices. Um, and also just getting people sort of in the space to really take the leap. Um, so it's a lot of like building the group field and um, yeah, getting people in that space of like, yeah, I'm just going to surrender to this. Um, then they have four days in solitude. So during the group time, we'll go out and um, find the individual solo sites um, and then people will sit um, in their spot, <laughs> maybe a bit of standing but not too much of much else, um, alone for four days. Um, and we're not, we're not overly prescriptive in exactly how people have to use those four days. Like we give them the principles and the practices but once they in, they cross that threshold, it's really, you know, into it's about their relationship with spirit from then on and, um, you know, you sort of have to dance with the experience of it all. So there's no set um, prescription about how it all works, but there is a general pattern to what people experience. So, 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 they're, so they're out on their own and they're not, they're, they're fasting. They're fasting, correct? yeah. Fasting. So they can have, they're, they're drinking water, but, but they're fasting and yeah. there's, leaping on the ground or wherever they are and um and and then so you do four full days mm -hmm. and then you come back and you I'm assuming you do some kind of process yeah so then we'll have um at least 24 hours you know maybe like a day and a half together which is a tricky thing. like I would love to have longer programs where we can spend longer together afterwards but um you know People are usually pretty keen to get back to their families and mm. have other life commitments. So, you know. And so you're so you're doing this in in Australia, obviously. And but you've mm. come here to the states. You you've worked with some folks in the states too, or did they come yeah. to you? How did that work? Yeah. Well, I was today or tomorrow, your time, was literally meant to be going to Colorado to run a program with an organisation um, there. So yeah. Most of the programs are in Australia, but if the opportunity arises to run them somewhere else, I take it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I've run Quest in New Zealand as well with a Way of Nature colleague over there um, and then also have run a bit of a different program in, in Borneo, um, which I call it partnering with nature, which I know you have a very similar <laughs> 
um, sort of philosophy um, as well. So the work I've done with that organisation, um, so basically they already are freaking incredible. They're at a circular economy um, civic society organisation, which so they do a lot of activist work, but do a lot of strategic systems work um, as well. And the leader, Cynthia, she I met her um, and she was interested in doing a vision quest, but as we got to chat more, um, you know, she sort of discovered there would be an opportunity to do some work with her team. And so I developed this um, two-day partnering with Nature program, which is designed to help um, people understand how they can consciously partner with nature in the process of doing their work. So we sort of do, the design was basically like a day of um, sort of the fundamentals of nature connection, because without that, you know, authentic connection, it's pretty difficult to do anything else. Um, and then in moving into day two, doing more things like how do you listen to nature? How do you receive guidance and, and some discussion about um, what that all means for their work. So how does nature just support the kinds of capacities that they're looking to develop within the team um, that will help them do their work? But then also like, okay, we have a problem or a question and inquiry um, with this particular project. How can we like consult nature as if they were a stakeholder as well? <laughs> wow. um, yeah, all the that's way. That's great, Which, that's great, Claire. Yeah. That's, that's awesome you know, to really bring it into like, bring it into like the work world. Because I think, I think that's where a lot of the splits happen is that yeah. people feel like their work, whatever it is they do in the world, cuts them off from their, you know, their beliefs and their, you know, their commitments to nature and all that. That like, it's like two separate worlds and like, how do they merge them? And so what you're talking about is, is merging is is like is like using the example or of nature to um you know to um to inform us uh how to um yeah how to really operate in the collective yeah yeah definitely um oh, that's great yeah yeah which is i mean it's i don't expect there's going to be a whole huge queue of organizations just yet <laughs> Like no, but they're starting. They're starting, and you got to start somewhere. So <laughs> yeah, you do. And I mean, I guess I'm also trying to be like, like I'm looking to offer that partnering with Nature program as like a maybe like an online course, so that you know you can find like people within the organisations who want to like start to change things. Yeah. Um, but do it a bit covertly to start with. Um, yeah. So that. That's what I'm yeah, basically trying to do. But I think the, the more I can do things like talk to people about, you know, leading from into being, the more that I can open people up to just what is actually, you know, possible in a really practical sense because yeah. I think people feel like, oh, it's that sort of woo-woo spiritual stuff. Mm, you know, like, yeah, I'm personally interested in it, but there's no way I can bring that into my work um, mm -hmm. where the more we go, well, you know what, like, this whole system's going to change and these are the principles from which it needs to be, you know, changed from and the new built and designed from. Um, and there's some ways that we can, like, you know, ground ourselves more firmly in that understanding and and be strategic and clever and, and like, you know, the magic that it opens up for us. Like, it's fun as well. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, Claire, I want to see if anybody has a question for you. We're getting close to our time um, to be done. If anybody has a question for Claire or comment, um, you need to press star 5, and that indicates to me that you would like to either ask a question or make a comment, and I will unmute you so that we can hear what you have to say. So just star 5. Um, you know, this is your opportunity to ask questions about there's a lot. There, I feel like there's so many questions, and I could go on and on all evening, but I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So anybody who might have a question for Claire, please hit star five, and um, we can she can answer that for you. Um, so, uh, Claire, um, okay, so... I know you were trying to come to the States. <laughs> you were trying to come here. So, I mean, who knows, you know, when that can really be possible. But do you have anything, like, are you are you looking to the future at all, a little bit about how that still might be able to happen in the future? Or, I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, if it becomes possible again in the future, I'll definitely take the chance. I mean, I'm sort of I'll like, you know, surrendering to life kind of thing. It's like, well... I think I just have to go where I'm sort of asked to, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah, go where um, you're called, yeah. Yeah, but what I'm sort of doing now in the meantime of, you know, not really being able to um, travel is just get a bit more um, focused on what I can do in my own place. Yeah. Um, and so I'm starting this, <laughs> I'm about to launch an online platform. In fact, I've not actually talked about it publicly, so here you go, breaking news. Um <laughs> It's going to be called Conversations on Transition, Resilience and Regeneration in Western Australia. So it's trying to, like, convene a space for, um, yeah, conversation between probably, well, hopefully the goal is, you know, different people who may know each other, may not, but probably not got the opportunity to have these kinds of conversations about transition um, both in the sort of more nearer term in terms of COVID, um, but also the big picture. Um, <laughs> you know, like I really, it's about sort of building collective um, intelligence and and trying to find that, that coherence amongst ourselves around just where are we at, like give ourselves a solid foundation, which is that coherence amongst each other that we can start taking more considered steps forward um and i kind of you know my goal with that is to start pushing the boundaries of the conversation in you know in the sorts of directions that we've spoken about like how what's what role does listening to nature play um as we go about all this and Mm -hmm. yeah finding other people who have different perspectives and are doing really interesting things and and try to cultivate the local network so that we you know can practice like more of that local economy, bioregionalism, um, working from the landscape, like the place that we're in and start to, you know, regenerate our culture as well as um, our practices. Yeah. We have a question from Silvana uh, from Australia. Uh, hang on. Let's, let me get her unmuted here. Oh, come on. Silvana, are you there? Hi there. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can. Please okay, go yeah. ahead. Um, first of all, what a pleasure to listen to you. It's been really uh, 
nice to start my morning listening to all these positive things and lots of really good suggestions as to how about um how to go about on this transformation that we're all experiencing mm. right now and um um, one thing that I wanted to uh, comment on, it's not so much a question, but something that really resonated with me. Um, mm. Were you saying when that we're, um, we come from this sort of uh, society where we were just looking after ourselves and uh, everything sort of has come from thinking of the ego a little bit. And mm. uh, now we're realizing that we need to, to expand that self and become more than our, our physical bodies. And, expand even into communities um, mm. and that really has resonated with me because um, I like the idea of um, having all these sort of um, issues being, being brought up into a group and have that support uh, from similar um, people that are going through the same internally but it's not anymore your own internal struggle but actually um, uh, something that we're all experiencing right now. Mm. And so I just wanted to say that that resonated with me, and uh, and thank you for um, for for sharing for for and if you wanted to elaborate on that, um, and and what a pleasure again. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, Silvana. What do you have to say about that, Claire? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it was sort of reminding me of. You know, like before we started this call, we were talking about, you know, the race protests and riots and things that have been going on. And it's it's funny how, you know, what we see in times like this, you know, what's happening individually is happening, happening collectively and what's happening collectively is reflecting back to us what's happening internally. Um, so, yeah, just sort of reinforces for me that, the importance of um, recognizing that how much how interconnected we are and that the the healing is both internal for us but there's also this the collective um, trauma and healing that goes hand in hand with it that's that's what it was reminding me of mm. and the healing for one is healing for all and and vice versa Oh, that's so true. You know, and it and it's not just people. You know, it it goes out too to the to the to nature. So you know, it's like it just extends. So yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Claire, for being with us tonight, and um, it's been a real treat. And you know, I'm kind of missing that you're not here right now, but you know, here we are. Here we are on this like teleseminar uh, together, so that's good. But I'll look forward to when you actually make it across the big pond and um, the, several ponds actually from Australia. So um, yes, thank you. So I just want to thank all of you for being on this call tonight, this teleseminar tonight. This has been recorded, and so it will be up on our website for you to be able to listen to again and it will actually eventually become a podcast so um, you can tell your friends about that and invite them to listen in and next month we are teleseminar will be Monica Gagliano who's Italian who lives in Australia so she actually lives in Australia and she is this lovely woman who's going to be doing um, remembering the future through plants 
so that should be an exciting one on July 12th. That teleseminar will happen. And you can check out uh, all of our other teleseminars are on our website, which many of them are becoming podcasts. We have a newsletter that's awesome. And, of course, you can become a member as well for a mere $35 a year because all of this comes to you free, but it's not it does cost to produce these things. So just to say you're really supporting the earth, you're supporting nature evolutionaries across the planet, and of course you have an opportunity to be in a community of nature evolutionaries when you become a member. So that would be awesome if you chose to do that. So um, thank you all so much, and thank you so much, Claire, for being with us tonight. And Everyone, have a lovely evening, rest of your day, evening, wherever you are from, uh, whatever that time zone is for you, and thank you so much for being with us. Have a, have a good evening. Bye-bye for now.